But hey, I am finally back from my voice. My voice is perfect. Yeah, um, but my, my voice is still a little off. I, no joke, woke up, well, Wednesday afternoon. We normally record the podcast on Thursdays. Wednesday afternoon, I started feeling a little bit of pain in the throat. I thought like, ah, you know, whenever you first start feeling something coming on, you just deny, deny, deny. I'm cool. I'm okay. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's bad. Um, but I felt the pain and I'm like, you know what, should I take some NyQuil or something before I go to bed just to like preemptively, bam, knock out whatever it is. Um, and I didn't, and I woke up on Thursday, and I couldn't, I, I basically couldn't speak. I mean, I could talk, but every third word would just drop out. I went to the post office to buy a book of stamps, and I started asked the lady for what I needed, and my voice just cut out in the middle, and I'm like smacking the counter, trying to let her know that I'm not like having a stroke or a seizure, and I'm ready to die. And I just look, my voice just goes. I don't know what happened, so I couldn't rec- I felt fine. I had no headache, no head cold. I mean, obviously, it's some kind of head cold. My voice still isn't perfect. Um, but I don't feel sick. I don't feel like I'm losing energy. Do I look like I've lost energy? It's just my voice good sounds to me. right. My voice just sounds jacked up and whacked out and everything. Um, so it's a little frustrating, and it is totally my fault that we're late this week with well, the Week Geeks podcast. Well, I can't really blame you. It makes it very difficult to record a podcast if you have no voice. Right, but it's it's my voice that's dropped out. So it's Saturday now that we're recording instead of Thursday. So it's going to be about a day, maybe a day and a half late getting the podcast up. Um, but we're getting it up. We so are. We're not counts. missing it, and I think people will forgive us. Yeah, so this is episode 17 of the We Geeks podcast. Uh, as always, we talk about everything geeky, stuff that we like, and we put our spin on it and talk about things controversial and not. We have a couple new things that we're going to talk about this week, a new segment of the show that we're introducing, um, and just some fun stuff that we're going to try to do from here on out to keep things interesting. Um, and we're always taking feedback from you guys on, on Twitter and, and iTunes, uh, reviews and all that. You'll get into that a little in a little bit, Howard, I'm assuming. But for now, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tutvid, T-U-T-U-V-I-D. And he's Howard. You can follow him at Iceflow Studios. You can also follow us on Facebook under those same <laughs> under I'm those same names. Um, and you can follow me on Snapchat. My username is tutvid.com. That's just like you would type it into a web browser. And Howard doesn't do the Snapchat thing. I'm old. So. I don't do the Snapchat thing. I haven't been able to get into it. It just seems I may be doing Periscope. I may do that. But Snapchat, I just can't find a use for it. Especially, I'm, like, I'm going to do like six second Photoshop tutorials or something stupid like that. Yeah, well, someday you'll find a use for it. It's kind of addicting once you start really using it. Is it? But just, yeah, just tell the people how they can follow us on all the SoundCloud and, and yeah, all that Yeah, we're stuff. on all the places. You can find us on SoundCloud. That's probably one of the coolest podcasting platforms out there. I'll get to iTunes in a second, but iTunes is just terrible. But SoundCloud.com slash WeGeeks, you can actually head over there and listen to our podcast, and you can comment along as you're listening. So if you stumble upon something really cool that we're talking about, you can comment directly in line and we can respond to you and all that fun stuff. So soundcloud.com slash wegeeks. We're also on iTunes. There isn't a fancy URL for that, but if you do go to the SoundCloud page or wegeekspodcast.com, there is a link to iTunes. And every week we do, if we do have any reviews, we do read them on the podcast. We haven't had another one since I think a few weeks ago. We're also on Stitcher. I don't know if people actually use Stitcher, but we're there. And I, before we go on, I do want to give a big shout out to our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash wegeeks. And we're trying to figure out a name for you guys. Right now I have group of geeks, maybe. I don't know. But 
suggest a name so you can kind of jump on the Patreon bandwagon. Um, so this week we have Caleb Surface. We have Genevieve, Michael, and Jordan. So thank you all so much for your support of the We Geeks podcast. It does help us make these things every single week and hopefully eventually give away gift cards again. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. And any of the stories that we talk about, you can check them out over on the blog. That'd be my blog post, tutvid.com slash wegeeks slash episode 17. And that is the number 17. So Howard, you got a new camera. I did. I am so excited because we've been talking on the podcast so many episodes previously about 4K cameras. And I've been looking for that perfect 4K camera. I've been hoping that Canon introduces one, but Canon's just been an absolute mess lately. They're still playing catch up with so many companies. Sony has a 4K camera. Nikon, I think, has one. I mean, I think Canon has some sort of 4K camera, right? But it's like super expensive. Or do they yeah, not I think, have one? I think their most affordable 4K, and I don't know that it's even on the market, it was just unveiled, is the XC10, I believe is what it's called. We talked about it on the podcast a number of weeks ago, and it's about $2,500. Um, the new C300 is going to shoot 4K. That's about $17,000. Oh, good. So that's a little pricey. I'll take two. Um, but as far yeah, as far as a, a smaller point and shoot um, or or even a DSLR that shoots 4K, no, they don't have anything yet. Um, of course, we're hoping that the 5D Mark IV will have 4K, but that's still going to be you know 35, 36, 3800 dollar camera, and it's um, still a big camera. It's not something you can really take right. around and like vlog with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you correct. could, but it's probably not the ideal situation. So I was looking over the weekend, or I guess it wasn't the weekend. It was a few days ago. I was looking for just 4K cameras. I was looking on YouTube for footage and test samples, and I landed on the Panasonic Lumix LX100, and it's a very small point-and-shoot camera. You can kind of see it on the camera here, Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see it. But can I see that? Can I see the top of it? Yeah, so the top of it's very much like my Fuji X100T. It's got the dial for your shutter speeds, your exposure compensation dial. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very it's very much like your standard mirrorless. How much does the Lumix, what did you say it was called, the LX400? LX100. Oh, LX100, I'm sorry. And how much did, did it cost? It, looked- uh, it cost $700, and I got okay. it on Amazon. Um, it is not mirrorless. It okay. Is, um, it is not full frame. It does not have interchangeable lenses. So you're probably thinking, why the heck did you buy this thing for 700 bucks? The reason I bought it is strictly 100% for the 4K Ultra HD video at 30 and 24 frames per second. And I've been doing a lot of testing with it over the last day or two. Actually, I think I got it yesterday morning and I've been using it since then. The 4K footage is beautiful. Um, Even at 30 frames and 24 frames a second, it is gorgeous. If you go to YouTube and look up Lumix LX100 4K mm. footage or something like that, they have a bunch of different te- tests and stuff like that. Right. Absolutely beautiful. Now, out of the box, the sharpness is, I think, a little bit too sharp. I have like this weird, when I'm wearing this blue shirt that I'm wearing right now, Nathaniel, um, they had this like, I don't know what you call it, but it looked like it was waving. It was very strange. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, 
Moir, right? Something like that. Yeah, that, that word. Moray, Moray. It's called Moray, which is what we talked about the difference between the 5DS and the 5DSR is with that low-pass filter that's that's gone. A lot of times, it happens a lot with very expensive shirts, actually, incidentally, um, where a camera sensor gives this very bizarre-looking pattern. It almost looks like a, a very fine chromatic aberration, right, where you get like these like green and purples next to each other, but right. very fine, very, very fine. It looks like a very weird, and on video, it would come across as a very bizarre moving pattern um but yeah no i mean something like that would yeah i mean it might be it might not be that might not be a sharpness issue but rather change your shirt kind of issue as, as bizarre as it sounds <laughs> either try a different fabric or a slightly different color not even joking but back to the point of it being a 700 4k camera uh, the gopro hero 4 black uh, that does 4K as well. That is still, I believe, $500. See, I, I was considering, that... someone did message me on or replied to me on Twitter when I was asking for 4K camera recommendations. Someone mm. did recommend the GoPro because it does shoot 4K, but because right. I'm using this for vlogs and because I'm using it for the intros and outros of my videos, I also need to pay attention to the audio. So yes. this one, I could hook up an external mo microphone, but I was testing out... I was testing it strictly without the microphone and the audio quality is amazing. There's a little bit of background noise, mm -hmm. but I just brought it into Final Cut Pro, uh, turned on the remove background noise feature and it sounds incredible. Yeah, and just a quick pro tip about the GoPro. Um, I, I know it does shoot 4K, but just in the, the same sense that this Panasonic has a fixed focal, or not a fixed focal length, but it is non-interchangeable lens, the GoPro... The, all the GoPros, but even the GoPro Hero 4 Black shoots 4K only at the ultra-wide, super-wide angle. Right. If you go to medium, uh, the highest you can go is 2.7K or the 2.5K, whatever it is. And if you go to the narrow, which is usually what I would like to shoot with, especially if I'm shooting indoors, I don't want every part of my room to be showing. You know what I mean? So if I go to narrow, then it can only shoot 1080p. So you're back down to 1080p anyway, and it's still a $500 camera. The ultra wide, yeah, it's great for outside where you're looking to capture expansive stuff. Even maybe for, you know, if I'm out on location doing a behind the scenes uh, little video while I'm out shooting, great with ultra wide. But for some kind of like intimate me to you or me to an audience kind of interview style video, I don't know that I want ultra wide angle unless I'm outside shooting that video anyway. So that would be enough for me to say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm willing to pay the extra $200. Do you know what the focal length is for the Panasonic or whatever millimeter to whatever millimeter? Yeah, is it it's a 24 zoom lens? to 75. So 24 to 75 on probably, what, a micro four-thirds sensor is, or yeah. just a – yeah. So, I mean, it's even more zoomed than that. So, I mean, it's a great portrait focal length um, and you have some zoom, uh, you know, some some the focal length you can zoom back and forth with. So an extra $200, I would say it's absolutely worth that. And we're going to get into a little bit of GoPro a little bit later on in the show as well. Uh, just, you know, being able to frame yourself with the Panasonic without kind of having to guess like you have to do with the GoPro unless you're using the GoPro app and just everything that's involved in that. Now, actually, the, the, I was just going to say, does the Panasonic have like a flip around screen Aha, or anything That's exactly like that? what I was going to get to. Um, <laughs> it does not. And that was something that kind of stopped me and made me think a little bit. Do I really want this if it doesn't have a flip screen or a tilt screen or this or that? Um, so my options were I could get a monitor to hook up to this thing to connect. Does it, it now does it does it have like an HDMI port? And, um, and if it does, because and I, the only reason does. I ask is because. The Fuji X, X100T does have an HDMI port, but you can only use it 
to look at photos that you've taken or video that you shot. You can't feed the video live into a monitor. So uh, that might be something you want to look into before you go and drop money on a monitor. Right. I, it looks I know like some it has a mini are, HDMI or a micro right. H, a very yeah, yeah, small yeah. port. However, yep, that's what however, are. the thing that sold me on this ultimately is, aside from obviously the 4K camera, but mm. um, thinking about the, the monitoring and stuff like that, uh, uh, Lumix has an app for the iPhone and the iPad. So I was able to download this app, which is iPad compatible, onto our iPad hook it up via Wi-Fi to the camera, and I was able to monitor myself, focus myself, zoom, everything directly from any controls you have on the camera, you can control from the iPad. So I can just hook up the camera, put on the tripod, turn the lights on, stand in front of the camera, and then focus and zoom and all that stuff to get me in the shot. Is that a touch your finger on the screen and it focuses kind of focus? On the iPad, yes. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome, that's really cool. Yeah, no, that, that I would imagine that's super helpful. Yeah, uh, and the video that's... also has autofocus. It's not super quick autofocus, but if, right. if I'm standing and I kind of move a little bit closer to the camera, mm -hmm. it'll definitely focus on me, so I don't have to worry. With my DSLR right now, my 6D, I can't move because it doesn't focus. Right, yeah, exactly. No, that's really cool. That's that's you know can be very helpful and even if it's not a fast autofocus that can still kind of be a cool vlogger sort of effect anyway oh totally you know what i mean so it's it's definitely definitely workable yeah but. and and of course it takes sd cards which you know i think i did actually buy the wrong sd card i bought one of the slower ones it still seems to work with um this camera i i don't record very much footage but i'm sure if i tried to record half an hour or so the right speed might not be sufficient enough so i might have to get a new one now Actually, this week, there was a news article that Microdia, Microdia, I've never even heard of this company, but yeah. some company called Microdia or Microdia is actually coming out with a 512 gigabyte SD card. Of course, this thing's going to be crazy expensive. They're thinking it's going to be upwards of $1,000 when it hits the shelves in July. But as we've seen over the last bunch of years, these large storage devices, especially in like this micro, tiny little form factor, always starts out crazy expensive. Yeah. But as time goes on, they're going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And it kind of reminds me, what company was it? There was another company this week or a few weeks ago that introduced or announced that they're going to be coming out with an SSD at the same price as regular hard drives, which is interesting oh, they haven't okay. actually announced the pricing yet or how much space but they're mm -hmm. saying that it's come down a lot right and the more the more everyone buys into it the more it i mean the more it comes down a 32 gigabyte compact flash card which is quickly becoming the way of the past compact flash especially as you know we're moving into these cfast cards which again we've talked about a little bit on the podcast before um, but as, as compact flash becomes, you know, more of the way of the past and, and still millions of people are buying them. I mean, you can get a 32 or 64 gigabyte card for like a hundred bucks at 32, you get a pair of 32 gig cards for like 90 bucks or something, which is insane. Uh, cause I remember paying, I remember paying $35 for a 256 megabyte card back in like 2003 oh i'm gonna one up you on that was, one i think i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast before but i remember i was in grade eight or grade nine and a bunch of my friends we walked over to radio shack which already outdates us um yep. and i bought my first ever flash drive it was 128 megabytes and i believe it cost me 69 dollars 
Wow. Yeah, you got ripped. The 69 bucks <laughs> buys you like a terabyte external hard drive now. Right? Well, obviously, that was like 10 years ago or whatever it was. But yeah, yeah. it's that just kind of shows you. I mean, 10 years from now, who knows what, what we'll be able to fit on these little tiny SD cards. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to need it for the 4K footage. Though. I mean, you know, everyone's going to be going to 2.5K and 4K. So the price of storage has to come down both for the the external media in SD, CFast, Compact Flash, whatever you're going to be using cards for the cameras, but also for the computers. Um, now, speaking of high res and stuff like that, we had talked about the new DJI Phantoms that had come out, the DJI Phantom 3s, the, the one that had the, the, the professional or whatever model they have, which is whatever, 1600 bucks or something um, that shoots 4K video with the new high quality camera and everything. However, back when DJI first released the Phantom, the original Phantom that you slap a GoPro into and you, you got to buy the gimbal for an extra $800 and tweak it and attach it and all that crazy stuff, there is an amazing article that I came across on the Business Insider this week. Uh, photographer Amos Chappelle was an early adopter of drone photography and used his DJI Phantom drone to capture some of the world's most amazing landmarks. And he did all this before most of these countries had legislation in place to make the use of these drones illegal. I mean, nowadays, you can't even like fly a drone above a national park or you're going to be in big trouble. The footage shows up, you're going to you know, get a fine in your mailbox, and it's ridiculous fines. I mean, I've read about fines that are like $2,500 and up yeah they've um, started actually removing videos from youtube because they don't have proper regulation or problem approval approval to upload these things to youtube and they're finding people like you said yeah it's ridiculous but this guy he has this article is 37 incredible drone photos from across the globe and it looks like he's based out of eastern europe because he has a ton of photos of russia you know uh what is it, saint basil's cathedral i believe is what it's called uh, over in Moscow, the big, you know, iconic cathedral. He's got the Hagia Sophia. He's got the Taj Mahal. He's got this amazing photo of Paris that the Eiffel Tower is not in, by the way, which makes you look at it and say, wow, I've never seen Paris quite like that before. Um, just some really, really cool photos. I wouldn't normally just share photo articles because I come across a ton of them every week, but there's some crazy cool stuff. I mean, there's a story in there about him asking the Russian government for permission to shoot the Kremlin and the said you know no you cannot shoot the kremlin or whatever in my Nailed worst it. my worst possible russian accent because i don't even have my throat um but anyway they denied 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 him access and they said you know what forget you guys i'm doing it anyway he flew over he got some crazy cool photos and there's a picture of the kremlin it's really cool it's just stuff that you don't normally get to see from an angle that not everybody uh has um so it's really really cool and he did all this within like the first 18 months or so of the phantom coming out so again he didn't really have to worry about a lot of the regulations there was always like plausible deniability oh i didn't know you wouldn't like that you know this is a new you know gadget it was nowhere near as mainstream as it is nowadays um and you know local government didn't have as much a hand in it as they do now um so he's able to get access to all kinds of places and do it you know quote unquote legally because there was nothing in place saying that it was illegal so really cool stuff Definitely recommend you check it out over, you know, check out the blog post, toughit.com slash weeks slash episode 17. In my opinion, must see stuff. And it's pretty cool to see like the little stories too of how he got the stuff that he got. Oh, totally. I took a look at this article today when you sent it to me and I've never seen some, first of all, I've never seen some of these places at all, but some of the places I've never seen from those angles and certainly not from the air like that. And they're absolutely gorgeous photos. It's so cool that we're able to just buy these sorts of drones and then fly them and take these amazing HD photos and 4K videos. And of course, like you mentioned, the regulation isn't there yet, but 
Mm-hmm. These things are so small that you, and a lot of times, I'm not saying you should, but a lot of times you can kind of get away with it and kind of avoid the law because you really can't see these things half the time. It does, when you first started describing this to me, I was thinking, it's kind of something that you would do, Nathaniel. You kind of, you know, you know call up a place, try to ask permission because it's the right thing to do, and they would tell you no, and you say, oh, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Right, and I do. I admire that spirit. I really do admire <laughs> that spirit because it's gutsy and it's the all in the name of a good photo kind of idea. I just, I don't know. There's something about it that's cool, and like you don't screw with the Russians. And this guy's kind of like, you know what? I'm still gonna screw with you a little bit because the Russians they don't they don't mess around. So it's 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 really really neat stuff. And uh, yeah, just a serious hat tip to the guy for getting the stuff that he got. But anyway, it really is. And you know, the world of exploration photos have just has just emerged so much in the last few years. Of course, with DJI Phantom and then GoPro, which we talked about a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. And GoPro's continuing to make that push. You would think, you know, they release a product or two, they kind of let it die, and that would be that, like a lot of companies do. But GoPro's continuing to kind of push the market forward, and they're not just releasing the same product over and over again. You know, last week, I think it was at Google I.O., they're teaming up with Google directly to create this crazy 16-camera rig. And jump. Then f- jump. Yeah, that's the one. And then a few days ago, they released or they announced their Hero Plus LCD. And that's pretty much exactly what you think it is. It's a GoPro Hero with a built-in touchscreen LCD right on the back. And this thing has 1080p at 60 frames per second or 720p at 60 frames per second. Did I get that right? Yeah, probably. It's something like that. Something I don't like have the that. specs right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> and it captures um, 8 megapixel photos. So it doesn't have an HDMI port, and it doesn't record 4K footage. So you'll, if you want that sort of thing, you'll have to get one of the expensive models. But it does have built-in Wi-Fi. It does have Bluetooth. And like I said, the main feature is that built-in touchscreen directly on the back, which not only allows you to see exactly what you're going to be recording, which is super important, but it also allows you to trim and share your photos directly from, or videos, directly from the camera, and it's going to be two ninety nine, mm-hmm. starting on Monday, June 7th. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. tomorrow. June, yeah, yeah that's June tomorrow. 7th. It's available to ship in the U.S. and Canada due, uh, June 7th. Yeah, it's really cool, and like I like I'd mentioned to you before we got on and started recording, as of right now, you need to have the GoPro app on your phone Wi-Fi the GoPro feed over to your phone to see what the GoPro sees and you can use the app on your phone to also view other clips that you've shot on the camera and things like that but it I don't know if it's just me but the Wi-Fi seems to drain the battery a lot faster than not having Wi-Fi turned on and it's just kind of a nuisance because the, the feed is like a split second behind the camera. You turn the camera and then the feed follows um, and things like that that are a little annoying. Again, that's like the epitome of a first world problem. My GoPro doesn't Wi-Fi the <laughs> HD video feed to my smartphone fast enough. Um, but having an LCD on the back of the GoPro is awesome. I love the idea so stinking much. It's really cool. I do wish... It was a model that went higher than 1080p, like we were just talking about. Everything's going 2.5K. Everything's going 4K. So we want that. We kind of need that. Um, but for 300 bucks, great GoPro. Uh, definitely something to look at. And the 4K has got to be coming down the road. It's probably just a matter of a screen on the back of the camera that can handle it or something. I don't know. Yeah, totally. And like we mentioned earlier and last week with Google coming out and teaming up with GoPro to announce this jump rig. Now that mm-hmm. GoPro is coming out with these new models and I would assume it would push some of the pr- the price down of the older models, 
that would hopefully allow them to release much cheaper GoPro models because you're gonna need 16 of these GoPro cameras or you know any cameras, but let's assume you're gonna go with the GoPro one. You need 16 of them to put on that, on that rig at $300 each, that's a lot of money. So if GoPro can come out and say, you know, we have this Hero Plus LCD for 300 bucks, but if you're not really worried about the LCD because you know exactly where the cameras are gonna be pointing because they kind of just slip into this rig, mm -hmm. you know, 150 bucks. So that, you know, when you're talking about 16 of those cameras, that's going to save you a lot of money. Yeah, no, it's 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 incredible, and it's it's really cool. And virtual reality is where I think a lot of things are headed, as crazy as it seems. Um, everything seems crazy before it's mainstream. So, you know, virtual reality, I don't, I'm not sure how it's going to work. I'm not sure how it's going to apply, but it definitely seems like that's where things are headed. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, moving on from that, Away from a little bit tech, talking more game, and I did a little change up here in our lineup, Howard, in case you're looking at it. Yep. Fallout 4. I'm not a gamer. I did see this trailer, though, because about 20 of my friends on Facebook went berserk the moment it came out and posted the trailer all over the place. I watched it. The graphics look incredible. It looks like a cool storyline. I've never played Fallout, any of the games. I've heard of it before, but the new Fallout 4 allegedly is coming out this year. Howard, you're much more of a gamer than I am. What are your thoughts on it? Have you played Fallout? Do you like it? Do you like the way this looks? What do you think? I am a gamer, and it, it, it's unfortunate that I haven't had much time over the last few years to actually game. I do play the occasional game of Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, these games that I can kind of just like sit down for half an hour and play a little bit and then go back to my work or go out with my wife or whatever it might be. But yeah, I definitely did see this. I haven't played any of the Fallout games previously. It's definitely my kind of game because I love video games that focus on the story. And Fallout seems to be one of those games that really does. Obviously, this is the fourth uh, major release for the Fallout series. They've had some expansions and add-ons and things like that. But Fallout 4, which is developed by Bethesda or Bethesda. 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 I, I'm I assuming know. that's how you pronounce it. It's like a very it biblical sounding name, actually. Yeah, Bethesda. <laughs> Bethesda. Um, they actually developed Fallout 3, and I believe they also, that same development team worked on Skyrim. And there's no multiplayer in this game. It's basically a post-apocalyptic post Come on, get uh, it together. Game. I know, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it has a very in-depth story behind it, which a lot of people absolutely love. And to be honest, I love that as well, because especially now we're seeing so many games that kind of just like they throw the game at you for 60 bucks. They give you a little bit of a story. Mm -hmm. And then three months from now, they'll say, you know what? Here's some more story for another 60 bucks, which is so or they'll throw in in-app purchases. It's annoying. Yeah. So to see a developer come out with a full, I, you know, at least I'm hoping it's a full game for 60 or 50 bucks, whatever it might be, which will give you hundreds of hours of playtime. It's kind of refreshing to see companies still do that. Of course, we don't know much detail. We're gonna hear more detail about Fallout 4 at E3. Is it the end of this month? I believe it's the end of yeah. this month. Now, you mentioned earlier that the graphics look amazing, and they do look okay, but when I'm comparing the graphics to some of the other games that are coming out for next-gen consoles, like the PS4 mm -hmm. and the Xbox One. Yeah. Yeah, Xbox One. It, it, it seems to be lacking a little bit. I mean, one of the recent games is The Witcher, which I haven't picked up yet, but it, it looks absolutely gorgeous, like almost lifelike. Okay. And then I look at Fallout 4, at least the trailer, still, uh, it, I don't know. It definitely still looks like a video game. I know what you're saying, yeah. 
It does, yeah. It's not there yet. And we're moving towards that area, but it's not... Well, uh, it, it looks pretty realistic compared to, like, the original Oregon Trail oh, from well, 1998. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're comparing it to that, sure. It looks great compared to Palm. <laughs> but, yeah. So what else is new I mean, yeah. game-wise? I mean, I, 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 like I said, I'm not I'm not in the in the field, but you mentioned something about this Gamefly service. Um, yeah, so I'm... If you're not familiar with Gamefly, think of Netflix, but for video games. So right now, the current, actually, pre, uh, I would say a few months ago, Gamefly was, you know, this rental service that you can rent video games online. They send you a game, you play it for a little bit, and you send it back. Very similar to how Netflix launched, where you rent a movie, you keep it as long as you want, you watch it as many times as you want, send it back, and another game comes your way. Now, Gamefly is actually changing things up a little bit. Because obviously the demand is now digital. Very few people rent games anymore. Mm. There, I mean, there's no blockbuster. Right. Um, so Gamefly is changing it so that for $7 a month, you can rent a bundle of games digitally. And at launch, there are going to be six bundles to choose from. And each bundle will have seven games around a certain theme. Now, what's kind of strange about this, even though... It sounds like an amazing service. It's only available on Amazon's Fire TV, which I don't even think I know anybody who uses a Fire TV. Um, so I would assume at some point, maybe after their testing period, it's going to come to iOS and Android and maybe Xbox and PlayStation. I don't know if that, that might be a competitor, but it might come to like the Apple TV, for example, which has obviously a much bigger base than something like the Fire TV. Yeah, I, would, I mean, it would have to because, yeah, like you said, I don't know anyone who uses Fire TV. I've seen the ads for it with like Gilbert Godfrey, whoever that guy is that's doing, you know, the the crabby old guy with Amazon Fire TV, mm. but I've never, I've never used it. I, my grandmother has an Amazon Kindle and that's the only person I know of who has a Kindle or a Kindle Fire, whatever, whatever the, whatever it's called, the little tablet they have. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. How much did you say it is? It costs? Uh, $7 per month so for, um, I don't know if it's per, I think it's per month and you get, um, six games. So it's your choice of whichever one of those bundles. Right. Okay. I got you. So it's pretty comparable with Netflix then, which is whatever, seven, eight bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I think it's like, I, mean, I think it's $8 a month. Now. So yeah, I mean, if, if games are your thing, I, I suppose that would be, you know, if some people it's television, some people it's games, some people it's something else. And you know, that seems like it's pretty affordable as long as it's mainstream enough that people can get access to it. I guess that's the big issue. Yeah, And I think it's, it's very interesting that they're able to offer some sort of service like this on non consoles. Obviously the Amazon fire TV is not a console. So Technically, the way I understand it, you don't really need an Xbox or a PS4 in order to play these games. You just need one of the controllers. Mm. So, you know, we may see a time in the future where you can just have your Apple TV and an Xbox controller and you can rent these games through Gamefly, through the Apple TV, and play them just like you would if you had an Xbox One, right, right, which right. is really interesting. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. So moving from the gaming world to very much real life, and, and even more real, because I realize this next story happened in Chester County, Pennsylvania, which is, I mean, just south of where I live. Um, Steve McCurry's assistant. Uh, Steve McCurry is the guy who shot maybe the most famous National Geographic cover there is, The Afghan Girl. Uh, he's a, oh, yeah, I remember right, that. Crazy talented photojournalist. Um, one of his assistants was arrested in connection with the theft of prints, books, and other various items from his studio, valued in excess of $650,000. 
So Chester County District Attorney Tom Hogan call, has called the crime art theft and is holding a 32-year-old Brie DeStefano on a quarter million dollars bail while they're waiting for a uh, trial. And DeStefano managed McCurry's sales of fine art and has been accused of abusing her position of trust uh, to the tune of stealing 50 limited edition print photo or photo prints, excuse me, worth about 628 grand between May of 2012 and November of 2013, as well as stealing and selling about 233 of his books valued at a little more than $23,000. And it was interesting in the, the the press release or whatever, the, the, the not really a press release, but the, the release by the district attorney, uh, Hogan states the theft of intellectual property, like photographs, is an ever-growing problem, right? And we've experienced this with our tutorials and things like that. In order to take photographs like the Afghan girl, Afghan girl Steve McCurry was exposed to extraordinary risk risks, tremendous costs, and spent years of his career. Uh, then the defendant casually abused her position of trust to make some easy money without a thought to the damage to Mr. Curry, unquote. Uh, now, as mentioned, DeStefano was employed as a manager of fine art print sales at Steve McCurry Studios, LLC, and she was terminated from her position as soon as these criminal allegations arose. So definitely... I mean, that's kind of a crappy thing to do. Um, you know, I mean, you're working. At least people who will steal stuff online, it's a very distant, I don't know this person. I'm just going to take it and pretend like there's no connection. This is something where you're there physically. Like, you know, you probably know the guy's family. You know his story probably better than anybody else. You know, we don't know. Oh, that was when you slept in a tent for three weeks and didn't shower for a month because there was no running water. And you ate rice that was, you know, infested with maggots and whatever else, you know, just to stay alive. And you got this one photo out of it you know or you got this one epic photo out of it um and you know all these other photos that came along with it and i mean it's just years and years of a career that you've built up to to build up the steve mccurry name and to you know just take and, and kind of sell underhanded for a year and a half i mean from may of 2012 to november of 2013 kind of a kind of a, a, a shysty i don't know not cool not cool is probably the easiest way to put it yeah, not at all. I, I did hear about this story earlier this week. And, you know, it, it, that's your not only your job, but your life that you're putting on the line for a bunch of photos and $600,000 or whatever it might be. It's just, you know, it kind of brings up the whole story last week about Richard Prince right. just stealing people's photos and think they can get away with it. And, you know, to an extent, even though Richard Prince is getting away with it, this lady, there's no way. I, I don't even, like, I can't even think that way. How do you assume that you're going to get away with something like this especially because considering you're working in the same physical space as this other person yeah i mean she should have at least like written her own comment at the bottom of the photo and made the photo her own <laughs> then it would have been totally cool to take it and sell it oh totally <laughs> So I guess moving from really not cool stuff to something that's really really cool um a San Francisco recycling company is trying to find a woman who may have handed over a rare Apple One computer without realizing what it was and certainly without realizing how much it was worth. She's like 67 year, 60 or 70 years old, uh, the Ugh. people at the recycling yard are saying. After her husband died, a local woman brought her husband's old Apple One to this recycling yard to get rid of it. The recycling company recognized the computer and the value that it had. They sold it to a private collector for about $200,000. And, and this lady had no, no idea. No clue. At now, the recycling yard, they've launched an online video campaign to track the woman down, and they say they want to give her half the money that they got for the machine that was sold. That is a super cool 
move and huge kudos to the San Francisco Recycling Company. The Apple One was the company's first ever manufactured computer. Only about 200 of them were ever made. 63 are known to have survived, maybe 64 now with this one, or maybe this is the 63rd one. Each computer was designed and hand-built by Steve Wozniak himself. They went on sale in July of 1976. Get this. For the price of six hundred and sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents, the machine—that was totally Wozniak. <laughs> the machine had four KB of memory. One one thousand twenty-four KB is one GB or one gigabyte, so that is a microscopic amount of memory. Uh, one single frame from a Canon, any decent Canon digital SLR, is about I don't know. 25 to 50 uh, KB, depending on the camera. Um, so a microscopic amount of memory. The vice president of the recycling company is a fellow by the name of Victor Jichun, Jichun, something like that, says he remembers the woman and to prove who she is, she would just need to show up. He would know exactly who she is just by looking at her. Yeah, this story hurts. I mean, if the lady's 63 years old or 67 years old, whatever she mm-hmm. is, she probably doesn't really understand what she gave up. And she's obviously going through a very hard time. But I do find it, like you mentioned, I do find it super cool that the company did this. I did read somewhere that their policy is to actually give 50% of whatever they sell mm-hmm. to the person who donated it. But I mean, considering that this lady had no idea what she was giving up, this company, if they wanted to be uh, sleazy, mm-hmm. they could have very easily just said, "Oh, I don't know, it sold bucks. for ten dollars." Right. Yeah. You know. So, so I think it's super cool that they're they're trying to find this lady, especially going through the hard time that she's going through. You know, a hundred thousand dollars to her. I don't know if it's a lot or I don't know if it's a little bit to her, but anything right now would probably help her and raise her spirits. Yeah, she might not realize the value of an Apple One, but she probably does realize the value of a hundred grand, maybe six, yeah. maybe sixty grand after California taxes come out of it. But right. maybe for future reference, the San Francisco Recycling Center might just want to do something like take a name and phone number. Might make things like this a touch well, easier. Well, they actually, from what I remember reading this article last week, they actually asked if she wanted a receipt for her taxes. Um, but she really did, had no idea what this computer was, and she really wasn't concerned about that at the time. So she declined it. So she didn't give, they asked it for her name and all that stuff, but she didn't give it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's that. But the Apple one. So that was the, the humble beginnings of Apple and potentially this lady being able to make a lot of money. So save your old Apple gear if you have it. Yeah, that Apple Watch that you just ordered, when it comes in, don't open save, it. Save though, the box. Buy two of them. Keep one in the box. There you go. But it, it, you know, that's obviously a very different situation because back then when Steve Wozniak was putting these Apple ones together, there were 63 of them. But when you're dealing with an Apple 200. Watch... There were 200 of them. 200? Yeah, there's 200 63 are known to have survived. Oh, 63 are known to survive. So 200 of them. I mean, still, that's a microscopic mm-hmm. amount when you're comparing it to the Apple Watch, which analysis are now saying Apple has sold 7 million of these Apple Watches. 2.5 million have actually shipped, and the rest of them are kind of still processing, being built, and hopefully will be shipping in the meantime, in very soon. What do you think? They were saying. What do you think? The, what that, do you think the average Apple Watch is selling for? I can almost guarantee that the majority of the Apple Watches that are being sold are the 42 millimeter Sport Watch, which is the one that I have, yeah. uh, which is 399. 399. Let's do some math here. Oh, my my app my Apple calculator app can't even do seven million times 399. 
So that's a <laughs> lot of it's, zero, zero, it's, zero, it's zero, a lot zero, of zero. That's right. It's a lot of money. Oh, is that right? Two point seven billion. Two, no, two point seven million, I believe. Oh no, it's shipped. It's shipped to two point seven million. Uh, no, oh, I'm doing oh, three, the math. Three ninety nine times seven million. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, Google will probably let you do it, right? Yeah, two point seven billion dollars in revenue. Yeah, so that's, of course, that's gross, that's net, right? That's it's gross revenue, but that's a lot of revenue. Yeah, what do we have? Three. That's zero, a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah, bit. two point basically <laughs> two point eight billion. So that that's a yeah. lot of money. Uh, Not that bad. has come in. I remember seeing before the Apple Watch even shipped, when they first announced it, there were countless number of blogs by some very big bloggers in the industry that basically said the Apple Watch is going to completely flop. No one's going to buy it. The battery life is going to be terrible. You're not going to do anything with it. And even though it's a very first generation product, mm-hmm. I've been using it since you know the first few weeks has come out. Yep. Um, it's it's an Apple product, and people buy these things like crazy, even if you don't really need it. I mean, to Apple's defense, the battery life is not terrible. I've, I can easily go two days without charging this thing, not using it, you know, using it regularly. But did it flop? I mean, it, it depends on what your definition of flop is. It, if you're looking at the sales numbers, it did not flop at all. If you're looking at the actual usability of the device... You can kind of make an argument for that, but and this is the the the, the Apple Watch is still not physically in stores yet, like to, to for available for purchase. You can order it, but you can't actually go to the store and take one home, correct? Right, as of right now, when we're recording this podcast, no. But I believe in two weeks they're going to be starting to sell these things in stores. Right now, I would imagine with a lot of Apple products, a lot of the the real Apple lovers. You're going to order it online anyway. I don't know. I mean, I've never bought an Apple product from an Apple store. I'm sure you're different. You worked at an Apple store. But, um, you know, it, I don't know. Really interesting. Pretty cool. Um, and as Apple usually does, I mean, they killed it. They from, from a marketing standpoint, from a PR standpoint, from a get this product out there everywhere standpoint, uh, they just have such a darn strong brand. I was just looking at the Fortune 500 companies this year uh, because there were 10 local companies from Philadelphia, one of whom I've actually done some work for, who were on the Fortune 500 list. Um, and number five is Apple. So out of all the all these you know Fortune-listed companies, Apple's number five, which is pretty crazy. I mean, number four is like Warren Buffett's biggest company, and Warren Buffett's like the second richest dude in the world or whatever it is. He's up there. Um, so you know they're huge, and their revenue is just insane. Um, so it, it they have a machine, they have a monster, and they do just a great job of getting stuff out there. I mean, love them or hate them, you kind of have to give them respect for what they're doing. And by by no means am I an Apple, you know, fanboy. Um, but man, they, they get stuff out there and they, they do it pretty well with or without Steve Jobs. Yeah. They, they do it. Yeah. Their marketing team. I, I would love to meet this team as a marketing person myself. I would love to just meet them and sit down and just pick their brains for a little bit because there are companies like Samsung and Google and all these other companies who are releasing very comparable and in some cases better products mm. than the products that Apple's releasing. Yeah. But if you look at the sheer numbers I mean, 7 million Apple Watches sold. I mean, of course, this is just an estimate right now. But you compare that to the Samsung Wear or whatever it's called. I don't know the num- the numbers of how many Samsung watches were sold, but I guarantee you it's probably nowhere even near a million watches. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. They, they do a great job. And, it's, and I think it's the Samsung watch was one of the first smartwatches to hit the market. So you would think people would buy this thing like crazy, right. but nope. Yeah. Yep, no, I agree. I have nothing to add. I agree. 
Yeah, and and smart wearables and things like that are just becoming so much more popular these days. And actually, Lycos, which was a search engine way back in the day, I didn't even know they were still a thing. Did they still? They're still around, I guess. I guess. Apparently. I guess. They just came out of the woodwork and just announced two new wearables, a band that goes around your wrist, and a ring. And get this, they're calling them, they're calling these two wearables, the band and the ring. Very original. Okay. Um, and the main pitch of these products is that they're being pitched as devices that replace your password using NFC to unlock your phone, which is incredibly limited. I mean, the mm. band also has some in integrated fitness monitors and sleep trackers and alarms. And, you know, to an extent, it's very interesting that they kind of pitch the product this way because now that we're, I mean, just this week, we found out that the U.S. government was hacked or has been hacked over the last few decades and 4 million people have been compromised. Obviously, a Lycos ring won't help that at all, but... That whole topic is kind of on everyone's mind. Right. So them pitching it like, yo, it's very secure and it'll change the way you use passwords and stuff like that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. However, it's a company that existed many, many years ago. Nobody really knows about them. The band is selling for $124.99 and the ring is selling for $60 basically. I think four of them will will sell and that's it. I don't think, I mean, because the company like this doesn't really have the marketing team that Apple has. I didn't even know about this thing until you sent me this link. Yeah. So it's, it's they're not really working it properly. Yeah, well, and I think the, the part of the value of both wearables and like we've talked about for the last couple weeks, all of these smart home apps, you know, like the Nest and, you know, these like, you know, LifeX style, you know, LED bulbs that are Wi-Fi controllable. People, I think, want, number one, products they understand, so you need to understand how it works, so you can understand how it works with your life, but also it needs to be something that fits within the framework of everything that you currently have. If I'm spending 60 bucks on a ring, I'm not, that ring is not going to be the centerpiece of everything that I build technologically around my life. Do you know what I mean? Right. And if it's something that's incredibly limited, why am I wasting $60 on this when, I mean, most phones have fingerprint scanner technology of some mm -hmm. sort now. And doesn't that work? Isn't that totally cool? There are not enough conspiracy theorist folks who don't trust the fingerprint sensor uh, that they're going to go and spend sixty dollars on a ring. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, they're fighting an uphill battle. I mean, especially with the other players in the wearable field. Um, I mean, Nike has had a difficult time with their uh, Nike fuel plus or whatever it was called and they partnered with apple and it still was kind of eh, you know so i mean trying to do something independent of a big player in in that techno uh, in the technological marketplace it's going to be really tough for them so i don't know i mean i i'm not buying one i have no interest in it i i don't yeah, i don't understand I, what it what it what it does to make me any better sell me the dream you know that's what apple's doing sell me the dream that's what samsung's starting to do you know sell me that dream and i'll turn and look uh at the very least this like you said i mean it, if it wasn't for the fact that it was featured on a few of the tech blogs and things that i follow um i would have never would have never known a thing about it not at all and i kind of feel bad for lycos because i guess they're trying to make a comeback into something i don't know what they're trying I, I to do i hope they've they changed their logo because oh, their logo was awful. Yeah, they have. It's a dog now. But remember, oh, it was great. it was like that uh, that bizarre uh, solar eclipse looking logo. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, 
I don't even understand why a dog is. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't even know if it's the same company. I, I mean, they've probably been bought a dozen times since they were what they were. Um, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. It's it's. But they must have spent several million dollars on research and development, and I guess they're going to spend even more on marketing. And this thing is going to completely tank. But you know, whatever. Yeah. So speaking of tanking. We have a, a, a few kind of fun articles, fun for us, not fun for the people who are involved in them, um, but just some kind of like like smack yourself in the head moments. A man was attacked in Yellowstone National Park by a bison after taking an up-close photo with his iPad. Before you even get to the bison, before you get to Yellowstone National Park, I'm completely captivated by the fact that he's using his iPad as a tool for travel photos. Right? It's just a no. You know, what kind of traveling are you doing? It's got travel from Australia. How did you have room on your carry-on for an iPad, number one? Um, so that, that's the first thing. But he photographed this bison from three to five feet away, and he got gored. And I, the way a bison gores you, I, and I only know this because I've been to Yellowstone before, and the rule is tw- at least stay 25 yards from every animal in the park. Grizzly bears or bears of any nature stay 100 yards from. That's the general rule they told you, at least last time I was there at the park. When a bison gores you, they lower their head and they have these stout little horns that are quite sharp. They hit you and they flip you up into the air and they try to catch you on their horns in various different positions. So there are people that have taken horns like through the leg and are like hooked through and, you know, cut your leg open, you know, uh, into every hole in your body. Your imagination can fill in the rest. And, you know, they can do some serious damage to you. I mean, a bison is a friggin' huge animal, and, you know, thousands of pounds, everything else, so just dumb, dumb, and dumber, um, I, I don't know, I mean, again, from a photographic standpoint, I admire the spirit, I admire the getting close, but you gotta be smart when you're being reckless, you know, you gotta take calculated risk, and, you know, investing in maybe a $30 telephoto lens for your iPad, you already have a giant iPad, why not stick a big lens on the back end of it, and then you can stay 25 yards away and get a great photo of the bison. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I admire anything about this guy. <laughs> um, you know, getting close to an animal isn't something, especially a bison. I mean, if you're talking about like a he, gecko. He's an sure, Australian, and the Australians are some tough people. Have you ever seen the well, outback? They are, but I mean, if you're, if you're going on a trip, you know, from Australia to the U.S., and you're going to be photographing things, which I would assume that would be one of the main aspects of this trip. Mm-hmm. Like you said, first of all, don't bring an iPad. Second of all, bring some sort of camera with an actual lens you can zoom. Mm -hmm. They're not that expensive. You can get like a camera that I just got that kind of zooms a little bit. You don't have to be up in this bison's face. It's just stupidity. I don't understand why people do this. I have a friend of mine... Actually, she just went to Yellowstone not too long ago, but she's been to Africa on those like actual safaris with actual animals with no fences and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And she had a... I think she's a Nikon user. She had a a 200 mil... I think 70 to 200 millimeter lens with an extender on it. And she was able to get unbelievable photos, which looks like she was right up in these animals' faces, but in reality, she was like, you know, 100 yards away or whatever it might be. Just... Don't be stupid when you're photographing things, and don't use iPads. Yeah, no, agreed. And there was that video, too, going around this week of the that family driving their car through whatever Botswana National Park or something, and the line actually came and opened the door. Oh, she yes. She didn't have the I door locked, it. and it opened the door, and then it looks like she reached outside and pulled the door shut. 
I would think I'd be like, hey, Dad, let's hit the gas, and then I'll pull the door shut once the lion's not within striking distance. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Crazy. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so the next stupid story is this guy in China. There was actually... Um, was there a video? No, it's just a yeah, story. Yeah, I, I couldn't I find a video. I would have loved to found a video, but I couldn't find one. Yeah, and this guy was riding his motorbike around China, which is very common over there because cars are not... There's no room for cars, so everyone rides their little motorbikes. And he had an iPhone with him. He crashed his motorbike, and this guy, you know, without even, like, getting up and making sure he's okay or calling an ambulance, he pulls out his iPhone, and this is allegedly, because I don't know this, if it's fact or not, but he pulls out his iPhone, and he starts playing a video game mm -hmm. on his iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, uh, there's not much more to say about this, it's just... Again, stupidity amongst people. Are these devices making us stupider? Are these smart devices making us stupider? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, two thoughts went through my mind. Number one, was he playing the game before he got into the accident? And he was like, you know, just got to finish this level. You know, got into the accident. Hold on, I can take care of the injuries in a second. Was that the case? Or I read something, uh, I believe it was in the CNET article, uh, that said a lot of times people fake injuries to get money out of people who they get into accidents with. But I would think that if you're going to lay there on the ground and feign an injury, you better act a little bit better than that you know what i mean i don't know i don't know how much everyone around you is gonna buy the whole injury thing when you're sitting there trying to level up in you know the next candy crush whatever you know or you know finish that angry birds level that you're doing i've actually seen a few of those videos where people fake injuries because they try and like you know scam the insurance companies and stuff like that that's why actually russia it's mandatory. You, all cars have to have a dashboard cam in the car because there were so many of these cases. And you just see people kind of gradually walk in front of the car and the car is like basically stopped and they just kind of flop in front of the car and they start flopping around on the ground. Right. Um, so maybe it's one of those cases, but I don't know. It's just absolute stupidity. Yeah, it's very bizarre. So then the, the last of these kind of dumb stories, uh, U.S coalition forces or whatever um this guy i don't know if he was an isis dude or a supporter of isis he was near an isis headquarters building and he shared a selfie of himself uh which revealed this location i guess u.s forces or the cia or some kind of internal intelligence agency were following this guy um it was discovered by this reconnaissance team in florida 22 hours later whammy kablammy the ISIS headquarter is, uh, headquarters building is flattened by the U.S. Air Force. Um, the first thing that struck me about this is here we have a bunch of radical Islamic extremists who are very much against the ways of the West. Why are you taking a selfie? Right? Surprised he didn't have a duck face. Right. I've been trying to find the selfie online. I, I would assume that whoever found the selfie made sure it was removed very quickly because it is nowhere to be found yeah. which kind of makes me think for a while it made me think that maybe the story was kind of fabricated mm -hmm. or made up but apparently it's real but yeah no trace of the selfie at all and i would say the moral of the story is if you're a terrorist don't take selfies yeah i agree and I guess it, you can also make the argument if you're anybody, don't take selfies, especially if you're you know, on vacation. There have been stories that people have kind of been tweeting or taking selfies when they're not home, which kind of tips people off that, oh, well, this person's not home. I can go now rob them or do yeah. whatever you're going to do to you their know house. So, you know what's so funny about that? I have a friend, actually the guy who photographed my wedding, 
him and his fiance had moved into an apartment. I believe it was when he was together with his fiance. Whatever. That's an inconsequential detail. Him and his fiance lived in this apartment in Philadelphia. And they went on vacation there, posting photos, everything. They came back, not even exaggerating. Their entire apartment was empty except for one couch. Somebody had robbed every single thing out of their house. And it was like a third floor walk-up kind of apartment. How does that even I happen? have no idea, and he had no clue either. He's like, it was the the bizarrest, weirdest thing ever. Everything was gone except for a couch. Like it almost sounds like those stories. And actually, we think uh, when we're living in Florida, we think we saw one of these things happening. We couldn't prove anything, but <laughs> it's, I've I've heard a lot of stories about uh, robbers group of group of robbers come to a house in a moving truck pretending to be movers and they basically just empty the whole entire place yeah i mean it could have been one of those i don't know but that's crazy yeah so anyway stealing our money is something that apple likes to do uh <laughs> and wwdc is coming up in fact it starts on monday right june 8th isn't that the first day it's like it june is 8th monday june 8th to 12th or june 8th to the 11th or something like that um and i guess i'll lead things off here i saw an article on of, of all places yahoo news Canada saying that Apple Pay is coming, I guess, coming to Canada. Uh, but whatever, despite the wide use and proliferation of Apple Pay, and I use that term somewhat um, relatively because it's it's much more prolific than it was, let's say, a year ago. It still isn't nearly as mainstream as I think that it, it could be or probably should be. Um, but despite that, many retailers do remain skeptical. And the interesting part about this article, and again, I'm going to link this article in uh, the, the blog post, touchvid.com slash wegeek slash episode 17. Part of the interesting part of this article, I thought at least, and you can tell, give me your thoughts, Howard, but um, I thought it was interesting. There were quite a number of con- uh, comments and people that both claim to be retailers and then also, you know, personal folks who were just kind of like, I don't understand the point of this. And then there'd be a few people who swooped in who knew what they were talking about as far as like the encryption of it and just said, you know, from a security standpoint, it's great. You know, there shouldn't be additional costs incurred for the retailers um, and all kinds of things like that. But it seems like, you know, the top retailers do remain skeptical. Now, I know that Walmart still does not have Apple Pay. Um, well, Walmart is partnered up with this other company. Right, it's called like C, complete, C something. I forget what it's called. Yeah, they're in the process of tanking. That thing's not going to happen at all. I think Best Buy actually was kind of with Walmart on that whole thing. And now Best Buy's like, you know what? This isn't going to work. We're accepting Apple Pay now. Right, yeah. Because I, I, I went and I, I, I looked into that company. Uh, it looks nice. But again, it's one of these sort of just, you know, we, we got a great deal. We got a great gig with Walmart. They have a, a lot of work to, a, a long way to go though if they want to really compete with something like Apple Pay just because of the infrastructure that Apple has in place as far as not just physical infrastructure, but the people who are using Apple devices and the name Apple Pay. You know, this isn't Bitcoin or something that you can be like, whoa, what's that? This is Apple Pay. So there's a reputability associated with the name as well. Uh, but I mean, despite all that, retailers remain skeptical. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, I don't know enough about Apple Pay and the business side of it to know things like what do they charge a retailer? Are they charging a retailer anything to accept Apple Pay? Does it make sense? Should the U.S. be moving toward just like a chip inside of the cards first? I mean, the U.S. still uses so much of the magnetic swipe when it seems like a lot of other European countries and things like that are using this chip inside of the card. Um, so, you know, I mean, is that sort of the first natural step toward Apple Pay? 
I don't really know. Um, but it, it, it looks like it's something that retailers are still pretty skeptical about. So are there going to be new Apple Pay announcements? Is Apple going to better educate everybody on what Apple Pay is, how they can use it, why they should be using it? You know, again, sell me the dream. Why should I use Apple Pay? Why will I not look like an idiot for pulling out my phone um, to pay for something? Yeah, it's very strange. I've used Apple Pay a lot and I try to use it as much as I can because it's so secure and I don't have to worry about the company getting hacked. If they do get hacked, my information isn't out there. It's just a temporary number. And from, from a customer standpoint, it's obviously an amazing thing to have in your stores. It just, it'll make people, honestly, if I had two options, whether to go to Whole Foods or uh, some other random company. If the other company doesn't have Apple Pay, I'm going to go to Whole Foods because I know they have Apple Pay because it's just that much Yeah, well, and it's, it's funny to interrupt you for a second. In the comments yeah. of this news article, there is a guy who compares Winn-Dixie, a grocery store, to Publix, another grocery store, and I think it's Winn-Dixie that accepts Apple Pay, and he or she, whoever, said they go to that store now because they accept Apple Pay and not the other store that they used to go to. Right. And from a retailer standpoint, I'm obviously not a retailer, but you know, it's one of those things that I, I just, you know, why not? First of all, most retailers that I've been to have that new contactless payment option. It's NFC. It works for all the contactless payment, whether you're using a Google phone mm -hmm. or an Apple phone or whatever it might be. It's this exact same device. So you don't have to buy any new device. Right. If you have, if you have you the hardware, have it's there, right? Right. And according to Apple's website, I'm on it right now, it says, are there additional fees to accept Apple Pay? No. Apple doesn't charge any additional fees. So there might be additional fees somewhere. I can't imagine it's a crazy amount of fees. But, I mean, the hardware is there, assumingly, and it's not going to cost you very much money. And the last point I want to make is, you know, Apple's obviously has Apple Pay. Google now has Google Pay. Samsung has... Samsung Pay or whatever it's right. called. I think it's called Samsung Pay. All of these major companies with these major phones are coming out with this technology to use NFC to pay for things in a very secure way. You have to do it eventually. Yeah. So just do it. Shut up and do it. <laughs> that's, that's what I have to say about that. But anyway, so WWDC, as you mentioned, is on Monday. And ugh, I, I was excited and now I'm not very excited because mm. we're hearing a lot of very, uh, what do I even call it? I mean, in the past, we've there's been all this ramp up to these major announcements at WWDC, and it doesn't look like this year there's going to be anything major. What we know, or at least what we think we know, is that iOS 9 and OS 10, whatever it's going to be called, is going to be announced. And a beta is probably going to be in the hands of developers that day. And what we're hearing is that both iOS and OS 10 are going to be very small updates focusing on improvements and uh, quality control. Because to be very honest, for OS 10 is not too bad, but iOS 8 has been absolutely terrible. It's been buggy. It's been my phone crashes at least twice a day, like completely crashes after restart and all that stuff. Wow. So. I would love to see them fix all those issues, but I would also love to see some new features. Now, there is a rumor that they're going to come up with a Google Now competitor, which kind of puts all your information into one app or, you know, one maybe part of Siri that's across the whole device that kind of reminds you of things and it kind of knows your life a little bit better. So it could be kind of nice. If, if Apple does that, then all of the Apple hate folk can say, look, now Apple's copying Samsung or Google or whatever. 
Oh, of course. But, you know, watch Google I.O. from last week, and the majority of features that Google announced for Android were direct ripoffs of Apple. But like I said last week, it's not a bad thing. It's nice that both these companies are kind of coming up with the same software or same features because they're really, they're software that's kind of needed. Yep. But anyways, that's a whole other story. We're also hearing that the iPad may finally have multi-user mode and split-screen mm -hmm. mode. We talked about that briefly also a week, yeah. week or two ago. More features that are kind of needed and should have been there for a while ago. Yeah. Um, but other than that, for iOS and OS 10, nothing major. So it'll be interesting to see what hopefully Apple has in store. Maybe they have some surprises. I don't know. But I do think we're going to see a lot of news about smart home. Uh, smart home devices with HomeKit. Actually, there's a Nest conference a few days later on June 17th, or I guess that's the week after. Um, I was actually considering buying a Nest, the thermostat, and maybe the smoke detector for our new home, but I held off because I thought a new one was going to be announced at Google I.O. last week. That didn't happen. But a few days ago, Nest did come out and say, we have a conference on June 17th, so it'll be interesting to see if Apple announces anything on Monday or if they just let Nest announce a bunch of things the week after. Gotcha. Okay. That should be cool. Yeah. Um, and we were hoping, at least the, the rumors were that Apple TV would get a refresh, that not only the hardware would be completely brand new, but there would also be the Apple TV streaming service. But now we're hearing that that whole announcement has been completely canned and that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, apparently they're going to announce their new st music streaming service, but whatever. It's a music streaming service. Yeah. And what if this is Apple's way of just like totally smoke screening everyone, just bluffing everyone, and they announce some new like unforeseen technology at this? Well, they're... I, I mean, that that could be the case because I know Apple has done that kind of previously before. And this could be leading up to maybe an iPad Pro, which has been rumored for quite some time. But I have heard from very reliable sources who may or may not have worked for Apple at some point in the past that Apple does occasionally send out very little bits of information to different companies, different blogs and things like that. Um, and they change the information very slightly. So they'll say something like, you know, they'll send to one company, the new iPad Pro will have a 13.3 inch screen. And in another company, it'll be 13.4 inch screen. So that if one of those companies leaks the information, they know exactly who to go to. Right, okay. Um, whether they still do it or not, I don't know, but I have heard that they have done that in the past. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, no, so that's, that's I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting. It could be cool. I mean, WWDC, just because it is Apple, it's usually an interesting, entertaining thing. Not quite as entertaining as when it was with Steve Jobs, but there was so much innovation and so much change going on from 2006 to 2010. Uh, it was 2010 when he died, right? Um, Something like that. Yeah, that it was just, I mean, it was so much fun to follow it, quite frankly. Uh, all of technology, for that matter. Google and Android and everything that was going on there, the smartphone... Uh, explosion in general um it was a lot, a lot of fun to to follow and now it's kind of you know spreading to these other areas of life like the home kit stuff which maybe doesn't have like the sex appeal of you know the f fancy shiny phone it's not the you know awesome whatever uh you know new ipad or i ipod touch you know ipod nano whatever all that stuff um but it's, you know, very useful stuff in its own right, but it doesn't have that same kind of sizzle that the other stuff had. So I don't know. It, it would definitely be interesting to see how they work this and whether or not it is something where they're really, you know, gearing up to take a big bite back out of the industry. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, traditionally, WWDC has been huge. But this year, I'm just not feeling it. But, you know, Apple does have things up their sleeve, so... I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that something major will be announced on Monday to kind of blow us all away. Right. It's possible it won't be, but, you know, you never know. We'll see. Gotcha. We'll be covering that next week. Yes. It'll be fun. So that leads us into the next part of the show. I, I, I thought maybe there was something else there from WWDC, but I guess I'm wrong. I'm just looking. <laughs> I got I, I was looking down the list, and then I'm like, oh, shoot, we're at the end. Um, so that brings us to quick six picks. A uh, quick six. I'm sorry. Quick six of the week. Yeah. So if you mixed, if you missed the episode last week, Nathaniel sprung something on me very, right at the very end. I had no idea. He gave me a list of six things, and it's like rapid so fire type that. things. This or that. This or that. So I am now challenged to give him the same treatment as he gave me last week. So I'm going to go down and, this. And list. next week, Howard will be back in the hot seat. So it's going to be an alternating thing. I will every week. So I'm going to go down this list. Fire off a bunch of questions, and you answer them to the best. You can expand on it if you want, or just give one-word answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll editorialize right. a little bit. There you go. First one, Coke or Pepsi? Definitely Coke. Um, and not to sound racist, but Pepsi, <laughs> and I, 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 I think it was, um, I was always raised on Coke products, and if I recall correctly, the the I, this is something I read. This is not me just shooting off crap off the top of my head. Pepsi in order to break into the market, marketed themselves toward the minority neighborhoods in a lot of major urban areas, which is interesting to note. A lot, the vast majority of white folks in America prefer Coke, whereas like you go into a black neighborhood, a lot of black folks go Pepsi. Pepsi was doing something early on in their marketing where they were selling larger quantities of soda for the same price as uh, Coke. So Coke might sell the one liter for a buck, a dollar, let's say, Pepsi would sell 1.5 liters for a dollar. So in a lot of the poorer neighborhoods around the country, a lot of the more, you know, quote-unquote ethnically diverse neighborhoods, whatever you want to refer to them as, just lower-class neighborhoods in general. And that's not to say there aren't high-class black folks, whatever. I'm going to back myself out of that altogether. <laughs> but um, Pepsi, I don't know, Pepsi generally, and, and, and it seems like whatever you're kind of raised with is, is what you are. However, I do prefer Cherry Pepsi over Cherry Coke, as dumb as mm. that sounds. But I'm not a huge soda drinker either way. Interesting. Yeah, I cut soda about a year ago. I haven't had a soda in just over a year, which, but I was a Coke person. Gotcha. Okay. Anyways, uh, next, Mac or PC? Uh, this is hard because I don't mm -hmm. use a Mac right now, but I love Mac. Like I have an iMac right here in my living room, and I have a MacBook Pro sitting on my coffee table, and I'm getting ready to buy a MacBook Pro. I love Mac. I also love PC. PC has been great to me. I've never had all these issues with PC. Um, I am pro whatever tool is in front of me as long as it's capable of doing the job that I need it to do. If it's a PC, I'm a PC guy. If it's a Mac, I'm a Mac guy. Oh, interesting. Next is weather-wise, would, would you rather be very hot or very cold? Very cold. You can always bundle up, but you can only get so naked. <laughs> that is very true. That's why I moved to Colorado. I could not stand Florida. <laughs> and humidity is awful. <laughs> Terrible. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one item would you bring if you had the chance? Um, it's not really a this or that question, but it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a tough question. Um, what one item would I bring? I don't know. A, a GPS <laughs> phone so I could call for help. There you Something go. Something like that. Mirrored or mirrorless camera? Well, considering the fact that I'm using a mirrored camera, I have to say mirrored. But 
I do think mirrorless is the way of the future and the low light capabilities of mirrorless cameras is amazing. I don't like the finickiness of the focus on mirrorless right now, but mm -hmm. I do also have, I guess I do have a mirrorless with the Fuji X100T, uh, but right now I have to go mirrored because that's what I use for all of my quote unquote professional work. Got it. And the final question this week for this six, quick six, whatever it's called, if you were to win $1 million, would you want it? Would you want $1 million spread out over 10 years or $700,000 all at once uh, I, or whatever it would be I after would, tax? I would take, I would take the 700,000 all at once. Um, and I would invest it. I would invest it. I would give to charities and I, I, would, I would give to charities and I would invest it. Yeah. I like that. Yep. That's all I got. All right, cool. So, and then the new segment that we're doing. So last week we introduced a quick six. Um, and what we're also going to do is our winners and losers of the week. Yet another area we can introduce a little bit of controversy if we like, um, or just kind of talk about geeky stuff, non-geeky stuff, whatever, just things or people in the news and in life that we view as winners or losers of the week. So Howard, give me your winner of the week and then I'll give you my winner of the week. All right. Actually my winner and loser of the week is kind of the same thing. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to just tackle both of mine at once. All right. And the, both of them come from our lovely TSA. So obviously the loser of the week is the TSA. There was a report recently that 95% uh, I, I saw this. I saw this. <laughs> you saw yes. this? 95% of weapons actually make it through the TSA. So they're com basically completely useless. Um, it, it kind of brings up the question, why are they even there if people can easily smuggle weapons? Now, thankfully, no one has used that loophole or whatever you want or the stupidity of the TSA or uselessness mm -hmm. to, you know, take down a, another plane or whatever it might be. But I heard a story about it. It's a, kind of terrifying. I heard a story about a guy who brought some camera gear through there and the TSA people opened his camera and like took the lens off and rubbed his sensor like with their finger. Oh. Oh. Why? Yeah, of course they, they take Why? away your tweezers. They <laughs> mess up your cameras. But if you have a Glock in your pants, right. go on through. It's have a nice The flight. toothpaste is what we're concerned about. Of course. <laughs> So that's the loser of the week for me. And, but on the other side of the thing, uh, the winner of the week, there was actually a TSA agent who saved a traveler choking on a donut in JFK Airport. This traveler was enjoying a donut for National Donut Day, and he started to choke. Apparently, he was turning blue. The TSA agent ran over and basically saved his life. So the moral of this story is TSA agents are great for saving people who are choking on donuts, but if you have a weapon, have a nice flight. Right. I, well, yeah, and that's that's the sad and uh, refreshing side of TSA, I guess. <laughs> the <laughs> the much go. maligned and much hated TSA. All right, so I have two totally different winners and losers of the week. My winner of the week is really something that just came out like last night or this morning. In fact, my winner would be totally different if I hadn't seen this when I woke up this morning. Joey L., Joey Lawrence, the famous photographer Joey L., released a, I hear it was on Vimeo, 19 hours ago it came out, in March of 2015. He went to the Kurdistan region of Iraq and Syria to begin this personal project where he's going to be photographing the people who are fighting against ISIS. And he has like a 30 minute long video of all this behind the scenes stuff he shot with his GoPro. Um, and it's crazy. I mean, there's, you know, people being carried around on gurneys who have been shot. You know, there's a guy listening into like ISIS uh, radio transmission on his little portable radio and just a series of uh, portraits that he shot. Really, really cool stuff. I will link this in the uh, podcast article for sure. Uh, it is so cool. It's so it's so interesting to see it. 
and such a dangerous job. Um, but he really did. He, he did great work with it. It's super cool um, and got some great photos out of it. And my loser of the week, and this is going to be pretty controversial, I'm sure, but this whole Bruce Jenner fiasco, it is such a bunch of contrived bullcrap that is being done for the money. It's so stupid. I don't even know how else to put it. You know, being lauded as this big, brave thing that's being done. Like, give me a break. You know what I mean? You're 65 years old. Number one, you know, if if why is it okay to sexualize this woman on the cover of Vanity Fair because we need to show that he is a she when, you know, we've been arguing for months and months and months and months and months to stop retouching models, to stop objectifying women and all this other stuff. And all of a sudden this guy comes out and says that he's always been a woman all along. Um, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I'm a Christian, yes, but I also yeah, am a, an, an, adherent, an adherent to science. And 100 years from now, science is going to say that's male DNA and that's a male pelvic bone. So, you know, ugh. Like it, 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 <laughs> and, and, of course, E-Network already has a show in the works, I Am Kate or whatever it is. So it's just like we're falling out of the spotlight. What can we do? What crazy thing can we do now to regain attention? I mean, even picking a photographer like Annie Leibovitz, you know, who's handled these kind of like big shoots. She's done like most of the photography for Game of Thrones or she did a big ad campaign or something for them. Um, you know, even stuff like that. It's all just so contrived and it's so for the attention and it's so just give it a rest. Yeah, it's um, it's it's hard to talk. About. It's hard to even talk about because you're a bigot if you say anything bad about it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, come on, I can't sit here and pretend like this is something that's totally normal. I can't. Like, it's enough. Enough is enough. I, I can't. I can't. Um, do I think a lot of it was for attention? Probably. There's probably a lot of, especially now that there's a reality show. Like, just basically the few days later, I'm sure that's a def definite aspect. But uh, I don't know. I mean. The way I, I t tackle this is everyone should be who they are. And if you are happier as the opposite gender and you want to be considered that, you know, it's not my thing, but go for it. Have fun with it. Um, be who you want to be. But I mean, if he's or she is doing this for the money, then that's a whole other story. But we don't know. I don't know. So that's, yeah, that's I, just, it just be who you want to be. Yeah, but, to me, I don't know. Um, it do just it smacks yourself. of like such rank hypocrite. Uh, hypocrisy I guess is the word I'm looking for rank hypocrisy I mean because for years and years and years I've been told you can't really have an opinion on things like abortion and birth control because you don't have the female anatomy oh, okay but now he this this Bruce Jenner can be a woman himself despite not having the female anatomy you know like gender and sex are two totally different things and this you know gender dysphoria which is what a lot of people are saying it is it's a mental disorder gender identity disorder you know, so I don't like. I don't. I don't know. It blows my mind. I, it just. I, there's got to be like billionaires and millionaires who are actually running the country, sitting back, just like laughing at all of us getting worked up about this, and just being like, "Look at these idiots." You know, they're getting all caught up in this friggin' crap. You know, when there's real stuff going on out there. So I don't know. It, it, the whole the whole fiasco, the way the media's handled the whole thing, is just my in, entire loser of the week. The whole kit and caboodle, take it all, wrap it up, <laughs> far and away my loser of the week. Uh, there you go. But, so that's that. So if we haven't lost all of our viewers by the end of that, <laughs> thank you guys for listening in and hanging with us for the 17th episode of the We Geeks podcast. As mentioned, I apologize for the, the bad voice, the sick voice, um, and being a day and a half late. 
Um, but it's been a good one. We covered a lot of stuff, covered a lot of good stuff. You got the new 4K camera. We've got the, the WWDC, uh, the Worldwide Developer Convention coming up and all of that goodness. Um, and just, you know, dumb people doing dumb stuff with technology, laying in the road. If you get hit by a car, Howard, or you crash into somebody, get out of the car. License, registration, insurance, you know, not. Hang on, officer. I got to finish this, you know, whatever level of whatever game is popular on iOS at the current moment. There we go. That will just about do it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave us reviews, comment along on SoundCloud and all that stuff. And we will be back most likely on time next week on Friday. Mm -hmm. We'll be covering all the new announcements on WWDC and anything else that might pop up uh, along the way. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. See ya.